Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Says 8 is August 27th. I'm Steven Masso, and as always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, today's episode is going to be a recap of some of the stuff we've been seeing so far in training camp. A lot has happened since the last episode where I gave my last update. We're also going to be talking about some news from around the NFL that could be pertaining to the Dolphins, some key players being moved around. So that's all going to be discussed in this episode. So we'll begin with the news that the Dolphins elected to release Kalen Balazs the fourth round pick out of Arizona State in 2018. He was a guy that was promising at one point for the Dolphins. A lot of people had a lot of high hopes for him. He was somebody that in practice he played very well. In the preseason he played very well. And in 2018 on limited snaps when he did have opportunities to touch the ball, he did pretty good and he was pretty electric. But then for whatever happened, a lot of it on the offensive line, but a ton of it also falls on him when he had the opportunity to really solidify himself as a starter and take the role over in 2019 last season, he fell completely short. And I mean that to the fullest extent. He finished the season with 1.8 yards per carry, didn't even crack 200 yards on the season, just a complete letdown. He was entirely one-dimensional. I felt bad because he has this skill set. He still has this very intense speed and a good ability to hit the hole. Uh, You know, he can make guys miss, but his hands are not there. Just completely one-dimensional. There was a game, I believe it was against the Patriots. It was one that I was actually at and everybody in the press box was kind of shocked when they threw, I believe it was a screenplay to him and he appeared to duck out of the way of the ball. And I think that was kind of one play that embodies how he was in 2019. Something about him looked completely off. He looked like he was completely unprepared to take over that role. And I'll allude back and say that, you know, people had high hopes for him. It seemed like at one point the Dolphins were just hitting home run after home run with their draft picks. They had Lamar Miller. He was a pretty good starter for a long period of time. And then after that, they had a Jay Ajayi who ended up being uh, quite a steal for him and had a good run with the Dolphins. And then they had Kenyon Drake. It seemed like they kept going and they had these guys lined up at the running back position and they couldn't miss. And a, a lot of people thought the same thing. And I did too. If you listen back way back to the earlier times, I said, I think the Dolphins hit another home run with Kalen Balaj. That ended up being completely wrong. They ended up releasing him. It makes entire sense with the Dolphins electing to bring in Matt Breida, bring in Jordan Howard already. That's an easy one-two punch. And frankly, I really enjoyed what I saw from Patrick Laird and from Miles Gaskin. I thought they performed way better than him. And if they were to pick Balaj over those two, that one would be kind of a head scratcher to me and would be entirely based on potential. The Dolphins elected to go a different route by releasing Kalen Balaj. Now, another guy the Dolphins ended up releasing was linebacker Curtis. Weaver out of Boise. He was a rookie. A lot of people, again, had high hopes for him, but this was one guy that I wasn't really that optimistic about. I could see the appeal to some extent because he looked like a like a hard worker. He looked like he was in the right place at the right time, and his IQ when it came to football looked really good, but from his athleticism and everything from that aspect, he never really stood out to me as somebody who was going to be able to step up to the professional level. I never really thought that he had the speed or he had the power that a lot of the guys in the 
the NFL had. I'm not saying he could never get there, but I just said that this was definitely a very raw prospect, a guy who would have to, uh, you know, take some time to build his strength and build his explosiveness. The Dolphins ended up releasing him. A lot of people were kind of confused about that. He was promptly picked up by the Cleveland Browns. Now, again, I'm not too mad about it. I wasn't uh, big on the hype train for Curtis Weaver as some people were, but I wish the guy the best. I hope that he succeeds with the Cleveland Browns over there and he's able to prove me wrong. I just wasn't that big on him. I like some of the other veteran options that the Dolphins elected to bring in this season. Now we move on to an update uh, with the quarterbacks because last time I talked and gave my update, a lot of people were concerned about Tua Tungavailoa's performance and Omar Kelly was saying that Josh Rosen was playing way better than him and it wasn't really close. Well, the narrative around that has began to change after a few solid practices by Tua Tungavailoa. There was one especially a few days ago where he connected with Malcolm Perry on this massive 60-yard play where the ball traveled, you know, at least 40 yards in the air. And it looked, again, as I mentioned, it had his seamless throwing motion. The ball was right on the money. You know, Malcolm Perry is not a big guy. He's under six feet. So if you're throwing to him downfield, it has to be a perfect pass. And that is what it was. So Tua has strung together a few very solid performances. And I don't think that should be surprising anybody. This is a guy who missed significant time with a significant injury. This was his first time playing in pads in several months. So give him a break. You have to give him some opportunity to kind of uh, get back into it, uh, recognize the defense, get adjusted to the speed of the game. Like the NFL alone is going to be an extreme uptick in just speed and tempo and power. And then when you consider that he hasn't been on the field in a minute, you know, that's something that he all has to get acclimated to. And I think what we're seeing right now is a good trajectory. I don't think anybody should be panicking when it comes to Tua. And I think he is on pace to be what everyone expects him to be as of right now. Now, we had an opportunity to speak with tight end Durham Smythe, and he said kind of the same thing. They asked him, what does he think about Tua and he says that when you see him it immediately stands out his ability to throw the ball his arm is terrific and he has this ability to place the ball wherever he wants it and that's kind of always been Tua's thing his arm is impeccable when he throws it it appears effortless and his accuracy is just as precise as ever so those are all positives in regards to Tua I'm glad to see him connecting with Malcolm Perry it looks like Perry has grown a big chemistry because on a lot of these high Highlights, you're seeing a ton of Malcolm Perry. And I do think at this point, the way that I have been uh, seeing it and reported from beat writers, I would say that Malcolm Perry it looks to be almost a lock for the team just because he looks to be involved in many aspects of the offense. He looks to, get, uh, to be getting valuable reps with first team and this chemistry with Tua, it, it looks evident. So I think that Malcolm Perry is just about a lock to make the team. Now to stay with the quarterback position, Josh Rosen also appears to be playing pretty well. We had the opportunity to speak with him on a Zoom press conference and the first thing you notice is that this guy's positivity is radiating. He seems to be in a very good place right now, and that's not something that you would typically think of when you see a quarterback that's been in several bad situations and is also on a team that drafted their potential franchise quarterback. But despite all that, again, a very positive attitude. I know a lot of people have always had knocks on Josh Rosen's personality that it kind of rubbed them off the wrong way, and I never got that. I thought he was extremely competitive. Some people, I guess, uh, took it more as arrogance when he said stuff that he was mad about about being uh, drafted so late in the first round. I took that as confidence. 
I took it as him being a dog in the same way that Jarvis Landry was, and I was excited about that competitiveness. I liked the aggression when he spoke, but in that last press conference, that isn't the kind of feeling you got, and he said himself that he was humbled this offseason. He had to take a big step back and look at things from the outside in, and he said that this season, or this offseason rather, he doesn't even necessarily consider that he is you know, playing for his job or that he is trying to go out there and compete as much as he is trying to grow as a quarterback and use this as a developmental phase for himself. So, you know, kind of an odd quote to hear, but at the same time, I kind of understand what he is saying, that he isn't eager to be that guy yet because he knows that he has things to improve on and he's willing to be patient if it means getting things right. And, you know, that takes a lot uh, to go out and say that, especially on a team where you were brought in and many considered you as a potential franchise guy. The Dolphins traded a second round pick to get you and the team before that drafted you early on in the first round. And here he is saying that I don't even know if I'm ready to be competing for a starting job. I'm just working on getting better. You know, very interesting quote. I know that's going to confuse some people or maybe rub off people on the wrong way, but I thought it was a very interesting thing for him to say. Now, uh, as for Ryan Fitzpatrick, still to me, easy starter. I don't know where these national media outlets are getting this idea that Tua is somehow going to beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick with the limited amount of time remaining. It's not going to happen. Chan Gailey was brought in here for a reason. He's had two different uh, opportunities to work with Ryan Fitzpatrick on different teams. They didn't just bring him in uh, for Ryan Fitzpatrick to never start this season. I think it is pretty certain by all means that Ryan Fitzpatrick will be the starter at the beginning of the year. The team seems to love them. It seems like the other quarterbacks, Tua and Josh Rosen, are you know pretty content with this role of still learning, and they all are very appreciative of what Ryan Fitzpatrick has to offer them from a knowledge standpoint. They all mention that, and the team says that they uh, they get a lot of energy from what Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, brings to the team. I mean, if you looked at the clip the Dolphins uploaded yesterday, I'll go and retweet it, and you can check it on the profile. They went and retweeted him doing a no-look pass, and I mean, that he did that in a game as well last season just a complete Patrick Mahomes no look pass and if you remember last year he was a team's leading rusher and he was out there trucking people he wasn't sliding he was going head-on against linebackers and he was winning some of those contests and he was fired up and the team loved him one of the biggest and worst takes I've had so far on my podcast is I said that don't get Ryan Fitzpatrick anywhere near Miami because the team is going to fall for the trap that is his play because he plays so well and then in key moments he falls apart and I completely looked at that wrong because at this stage in his career he knows what he is to the team and he knows he is the bridge to the next guy and he is doing a terrific job at helping these younger guys at firing the team up at rallying the troops around him he is doing a terrific job at that and I completely missed on that take because I wasn't looking at the bigger picture and I understand that now and I'll admit it that was a terrible take by me and I'm I'm extremely glad that Ryan Fitzpatrick ended up being the starter here in Miami. I think it has been one of the best moves that they have made with the Brian Flores regime. So to stay on the offensive side of the ball but to talk about a group that has been a concern for the Dolphins for years it is the offensive line and the offensive line is uh, one of the most important groups if not the most important group on the football field and as Dolphin fans we have learned that the hard way because it shows you can have studs on other parts of the field you can have a pretty good quarterback if you 
don't have the offensive line, it is going to be rough regardless of that. And all the signs right now are pointing to the Dolphins offensive line being one of the best that they have had in years. And the good part of this is that they are so young. There's so many rookies on this offensive line that are impressing these beat reporters to the extent that they say, hey, I think they finally hit a home run with the offensive line. You have Austin Jackson, who the Dolphins drafted with the Minka Fitzpatrick uh, draft pick they got in that trade. You know, he has these high expectations. The Dolphin fans want to know if they won that trade. Well, he appears to be doing pretty well. The beat reporters are all pretty happy with what they are seeing from him. But not only him, they are extremely ecstatic with guys like Robert Hunt, who is, you know, playing at times the guard and playing at times the tackle. And he says he's comfortable being wherever. And they also, Solomon Kinley, the rookie that they also drafted, they say there is so much size and so much power and versatility in this offensive line. All of these guys are rookies that it looks like they have a terrific foundation being laid right now for the offensive line. And when you have a guy like Tua who's coming back off an injury, uh, who you want to protect early on, especially early in his career, so he can get this confidence built up. I think if you look at the Dallas Cowboys, their terrific elite offensive line, you can't tell me that that didn't help so much with Dak Prescott's confidence, especially in that rookie season where he was playing terrifically. So I think it should be any team's plan when they have a young quarterback out there to get him a good offensive line, help build that confidence, help keep him safe and clean. And I think that's the best way to do it. And I think the Dolphins right now, from the reports that are being said, I know it's still training camp and we haven't seen him against other teams and we won't be able to because of lack of preseason. But all the signs right now are pointing to the Dolphins making a good move when it comes to the offensive line and finally having some long-term success here at the position. So that's all exciting. Now, when it comes to some guys who aren't with the Dolphins, but are making headlines across the NFL and could have some relevancy to the team are Earl Thomas and Yannick Ngakwe. Both of those guys are expected to be on the move and be with a new team pretty soon. So Earl Thomas will begin with him. Earl Thomas was released by the Ravens. He had a big contract. He got into a little bit of a fight with a teammate towards the tail end and they told him to basically just go home. He was released on conduct that was detrimental to the team and that was kind of an opportunity for the Ravens to get out of that big contract and they saw it there and they took that opportunity whether you want to look at it as a good move I mean financially some would argue so but he still plays at a pretty high level not at the level that he was with the Seahawks and that Legion of Boom secondary but he is still definitely an above average safety that can produce for plenty of teams so there's definitely a handful of candidates out there so the first one uh, the, the one that sticks out the most, and he said he's wanted to be with this team since he was a kid, and it is the Dallas Cowboys, and he has been connected to this team now for years, just like the way Jamal Adams has. The Cowboys need this help in the secondary, and this would be a good way to get that help, and they would be adding a talent that helps immediately right now, and the Cowboys window obviously is in the present, because if you look at who they have, they have to make the decision with Dak Prescott, they have Amari 
Cooper, you have Ezekiel Elliott, you have the offensive line, you have a ton of guys that need to get paid. And there's going to be a point where not everyone can stay. Like I said, I'm, you can look at the receivers. Sure, you have C.D. Lamb, but they're going to have to make a decision with Amari Cooper. They're going to have to make a decision with Michael Gallup. And the offensive side of the ball is loaded. So why not just double down and invest in the defense and hope you can go out there and win now? That is my thought process with that. Now, should the Dolphins be making a move here and looking at Earl Thomas? Now, I wouldn't say so, and I wouldn't be necessarily passionately opposed to them. I would kind of be indifferent. But recently, Earl Thomas has kind of been on this little bit of a spree where he has kind of been a bit of a hothead, at least in my mind. He had the issue with, uh, you know, not wanting to play and holding out and then getting injured and flipping off Pete Carroll as he was getting uh, carted off the field. Field, and then he had the off the field issues this year and uh, then the fight with the teammate. So there is a whole bunch and I know the talent could outweigh all of that. But I just don't know if the Dolphins are in a position right now where they need that help immediately to the extent where they should go out and do it. Now, again, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I mean, he would still be a tremendous help, but it's just not something that I'm seeing as a necessary move. But now we move on to the other guy, Yannick Ngakwe, who is now with the Jaguars, but he wants out desperately and he's burned a ton of bridges. It looks like there's no way that that can be mended and that he will play with the Jaguars. I would be shocked but who really knows but the guy is 25 he has 37 and a half sacks through his first four years he is tremendous he has a ton of upside he is barely hitting his prime he's in stride I am very intrigued with going this direction if I'm a Dolphins fan this is a move that I think would make a lot more sense than the Earl Thomas one would just because of where he is at at this point in his career now he is under the franchise tag this year and now you can't sign him long term so you'd kind of be making that Kawhi Leonard bet that I kind of referred to in the other episode where he could decide after this season that hey I didn't like what I had here so in that case you're potentially trading something that may not be here long term so you're gonna have to feel it out and really bet on the fact that you can convince him to stay long term especially if you're gonna be giving up potentially what I think would be one of the Dolphins second round draft picks to get this guy and to sign him long term but with with the Dolphins, I think they are finally a team that are appealing for more reasons than just for being in Florida. I mean, being in Miami itself is always an appealing uh, prospect to bring in a lot of guys. It's a very, you know, it's a nice place to live. But then now you get into the actual team. The Dolphins are clearly one of the teams that are on the rise. They have a ton of young talent. So even though he is 25, he's already going to be able to have a commanding role on a team. And I'm sure that's something a lot of guys would look for. He has the potential to be you know marketed like a star over there and a lot of people believe in Brian Flores aside from Minka Fitzpatrick it seems like nothing but positive things come out of players mouths when they speak of Brian Flores he's a defensive minded coach he likes versatility all of these things could make Miami an appealing destination for Yannick Ngakwe but there are other teams in the mix that I think also make 
probably more sense. The Oakland Raiders are a team that have been thrown around a lot that are apparently showing a lot of interest. So that's one team that I am kind of putting a little bit higher on the list of probability of who lands him. And then the New York Jets are up there as well. I mean, the prospect of being in New York and being marketed in the biggest city in the United States, that could be huge for him. The Jets have a staff that is, uh, you know, really relying on how well they're going to do this season. If they play poorly, a lot of those guys could be out. So they need some help. They lost Jamal Adams on the offensive side of the ball. You may argue that they didn't do enough to help Sam Darnold. They didn't really add too many weapons for him. So there is still a lot in my eyes, and I'm not saying this out of any sort of bias, but I do think the Jets right now, out of all the teams in the AFC East, are the ones that are kind of lacking behind and that they are in a position where things could unravel quickly and they need to do something, uh, especially the staff right now, if they want to kind of have some concrete uh, stability and longevity because right now I think they're on the bubble they're on the edge and they need to do something if they want to continue to uh, be working over there in New York so those are my thoughts on that and that is how I'm going to wrap it up guys as always if you could follow me on Twitter that is at via the source if you're interested in following my personal Twitter uh, that is at Shady Steven you can give that a follow I do have a giveaway coming up soon I'm thinking once I hit the 250 follower remark on Twitter, which I am very close to, I will announce the giveaway. So if you're interested in that, keep an eye on it. Follow on Twitter if you haven't already. And as always, guys, if you could leave a review on the Apple Podcast app, it would mean a lot if you have any comments or questions, anything you would like for me to discuss in future episodes, feel free to reach out either on my Twitter or you can comment that in the review and I will gladly discuss it in a future episode. But until next time, guys, I'm Steven Masso, and this was Via the Source.